farmers are innovators by nature, embracing innovation and working together with the scientific community to support them. We will become more resilient over time, embracing practices that will be beneficial for sustainable production are critical. Welcome to The First 16, a podcast about fresh ideas and innovation in farming and food. I'm your co-host, Kirk Finken. And I'm your other co-host, Sarah Boivet-Chabot. Climate change is one of the biggest challenges of our times, and for the agricultural sector too. This will be a first episode in many where we will speak with experts, innovators, and thought leaders on this topic. Today we'll hear from one of Canada's leading specialists on climate change and agriculture, Dr. Javier Gracia Garza. He's been working on this issue for many years, both nationally and internationally. So he sees the issue in all its complexity, and he understands fully the economic factor that producers, industry, governments are facing. We'll also hear from Gordon Bell. He's a young soil scientist and a member of the Canadian Agricultural Youths Council. And he's part of that next generation that will be most impacted by climate change. And you're going to hear from our interviewees that, you know, the ag sector is already feeling the effects. What's really hopeful here is today that we're going to be talking about the science model that the government of Canada is using to generate solutions. And we'll cover some of the issues related to climate change and how it affects agriculture. Stick around to the end, too. We'll give you some info on the new Agricultural Climate Solutions Program. Yeah, plus there's some other funding programs available to our sector through different federal departments, not just ours. Uh, we're going to mention those two at the end. So let's start by hearing from Dr. Gracia Garza. Welcome, Dr. Gracia Garza. For some of our listeners who are not directly working on farms, can you first give us a picture of the types of impacts that farmers are experiencing as a result of uh, climate change? One of, one of the, I think, important uh, impacts of climate change is when it comes to these extreme events, climatic events or weather, there is a high level of um, unpredictability of, of how these patterns are changing. When I think in other times we would have perhaps seen a more predictable weather patterns, now those things are a lot more disruptive. So droughts or very wet spring, fall that are interrupting either seeding or harvesting at the end of the year. That's something that actually is, is real. It's happening there. Yeah, it's real. But weather patterns are huge. It seems completely beyond our control. So uh, I'm just trying to make the link. Like, How is it that farmers can be part of the solution to climate change? To begin with, I think farmers, ranchers are innovators. They they actually are always working very close to to nature, to how things are happening in their in their fields, in in their growing conditions that they have. So so they are constantly innovating to adjust and adapt to things. So farmers have and have always had a great role in helping adapt and mitigate, and I think this is important, mitigate as well the effect of climate change. So 
For instance, there are farmers in the prairie region, thanks to the climatic conditions in the prairies, they were early adopters of the conservation tillage, uh, zero tillage, and that in itself actually helped a lot support uh, a way of producing their crops more sustainably, but also to allow for their soils to become the storage uh, source of carbon uh, sequestration. They are actually not only improving the health of the soil, but they are also sequestering some of the carbon that play an important role to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions that are causing the climate change. I realize that there are many beneficial management practices for reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and it is complex. But is there any low-hanging fruit here, like beyond the no-till? Are there any solutions that are easy for producers to adopt, like now? Well, what is easy is, is, is a very relative term. Uh, what is easy from where I stand uh, as a scientist uh, or in a research organization is quite different and what it will be, I think, um, for the producers, for ranchers, for growers. So I would not necessarily say what is easy, but, uh, but what I will actually say is that there are a lot of practices like zero tillage or conservation tillage, where what I think there are there are uh, these beneficial management practices that are supporting whether it is carbon sequestration or practices that will reduce greenhouse gas emissions, but also the quality of soils, the quality of water, how we are managing water in agriculture, biodiversity, pollinators, etc. So there are many of those beneficial management practices and there is no single bullet a silver bullet that will actually solve everything yeah no silver bullet for sure canadians region and agriculture are so different so too are the diversity of solution that need to be considered i guess so what it may work in one place may not work in other places it's something that uh, innovation research will help advance that but I also would like to recognize that agriculture is an economic sector. It is something where the bottom line has to be something that is economically feasible. So what is easy, what has a big impact, has to be something as well that it works from the economic point of view. That said, the economy and protecting the assets that of what a farm has, the soil, the water, etc., is something that is not in opposite ends. We need to continue producing food. The demographics in the world I certainly are telling us that there is need for, for, for producing that food. It is um, important for us to think about how in nature all of these different components, that is soil, water, biodiversity, and these practices that release greenhouse gas emissions, they are all interconnected. And we need to work on this as a system. What we need to do, what is the biggest impact, is for us to actually be working and understanding these agriculture systems and then applying the kind of beneficial management practices that make sense for that production system in that local regional uh, conditions. How are we, as a government department, helping the producer to be stewards of the land? 
in two ways. One is we have a suite of programs that are supporting innovation and that are supporting our agriculture, our agri- farmers and ranchers to produce agriculture in a, in, a, in a more sustainable way through innovation, through supporting the adoption of many of these beneficial management practices. But also we have the most extensive network of research centers across the country. We are a national organization that is supporting through our scientists and our science capacity and expertise to actually support not only the development of the fundamental, I would say, understanding of uh, the environment, the ecosystems where agriculture is produced, but also in the development of beneficial management practices. Just for the listeners, in one of our last episodes, we talked about Living Labs. It's a comprehensive and collaborative approach to science that is done on farms. The Living Lab model, developed in Canada by our department, has been endorsed by the G20 as a model of innovation. This new program that has been launched, the Agricultural Climate Solution Program, also seeks to use the Living Lab model to find solutions. Dr. Gracia Garza, can you explain a little about the Living Lab method and why you think it will help address the issue of climate change more effectively? So this methodology of living laboratories, what it does is that we actually work directly in having the producers, growers, the ranchers at the driver's seat. They are the ones who are actually going to be driving this innovation. And we hope that that will result in an accelerated adoption. We hope to be co-developing with um, the users, the, the, the farmers, the solutions for problems that are actually happening in that environment, in, the, in their farms. The second component, extremely important, and that we also believe that is at the core of, of why it will be accelerated adoption of BMPs, is these beneficial management practices, is the fact that we are going to be working in, in the farms, in the lands of the, in, of the growers not necessarily in our research centers or our experimental farms. So the fact that we are actually trying solutions, doing adjustments to, to beneficial management practices right in the farmer's lands is also a really critical component here because that will prove that these actual BMPs are working in real environments. And the third point that that actually the the living laboratories are bringing, we are taking a very systematic approach. And what I mean by that, although this agricultural uh, climate solutions program is focusing as the most important component for, for mitigation on reduction of the greenhouse gases by sequestering carbon, we are also looking at improving the health of the soil, the improving uh, water quality and also uh, biodiversity habitat because in nature all of these things are interconnected. So in the living laboratories we are actually taking that systematic approach to bring together all of these elements, looking at at the practices that we are developing or adjusting to make it to make it applicable in different parts of the country that actually are working to support a sustainable agriculture production in the long term. 
So, you know, I just want to let you know that we do have a lot of movement on this issue. Already there's been significant interest has been shown in the Agricultural Climate Solutions Program. Applications are coming in from a variety of organizations who are working in collaboration with farmers and ranchers. The effects of climate change are being felt now and they do expose the next generation to even greater challenges. That's why we wanted to bring a young scientist to hear his perspective. We thought to Gordon Bell, soil scientist at University of Guelph, who's also a member of the Canadian Agricultural Youth Council. Hi, Gordon. Our other guest, Dr. Javier Gracia Garza, has talked a lot about soil and soil health being an important factor in the solutions for climate change. So I'm interested to know, like, what is it that drove you to study soils? I think what motivated me to go into soil research was learning about how reliant we are on soil. So if you think about the planet, we use this analogy in demonstrations that soil is the skin of something. So if you look at an apple is like the planet, the skin of that apple is the thickness of that soil. And yet all terrestrial life relies on that soil. <laughs> like that's not an exaggeration. And uh, I've always found it fascinating just how much is going on there. And it's just out of sight. You know, people people might look out and they just see a field of grass. And yet you take a cubic centimeter of soil and there are millions of different or millions of, of bacteria and fungi and things in that soil. Or or you take a, a large volume of soil and you say, if I took all the fungal hyphae in this cubic meter of soil and I stretched it out end to end, it would be kilometers long. And and just I know they're just random facts, but I've always just found them just so interesting to think that this is all just happening right below our feet. Cool. And so as a young scientist, what are your greatest concerns about climate change? I think that one of the biggest things is that it's it's a big problem. It's it's a global problem. We all share the oceans, we all share the atmospheres, and human activities like since the industrial revolution have really been causing all of these problems. Now, in the past couple decades, as we're starting to get a handle on the science and the impacts and potentially some of the solutions, we're realizing that we really need to act. And they're like our, our greatest tool is time. So the sooner we act, the better we can do. We can leverage that time. Um, so I think one of my concerns is that we're not going to act soon enough. And how do you see your research playing a role in the fight against climate change? I really like thinking about these things in terms of in, like insurance um, and soil health as in terms of insurance. So if you have really healthy soil that's thriving, you it's diverse microflora and fauna and lots of organic matter, then this soil is going to be really resilient to both like weather and to disease. Um, so I think that more recently, the kind of conventional egg uh, complex has realized that there are some benefits um, from adopting some of these, which some of these best management practices like t like reducing tillage or cover cropping or diversifying your crop rotation. Um, and I think they're going to start to incorporate those into some of their production. So I, I think that's probably one thing that's going to happen. That's already happening. There are some companies, I know General Mills has a pretty large regenerative egg um, kind of division. From your research, from what we've talked about, about climate change and eco-anxiety and, and how you see the agriculture in five or 10 years. So all this tied together, what is your, what gives you the most hope? I guess what gives me the most hope is that specifically 
agriculture can be part of the solution when it comes to combating climate change. And a lot of these solutions aren't complicated and they're not overly technical. You know, people talk about these natural climate solutions, cover cropping and diversifying your crop rotation. And if you have animals, incorporating animals into your into your fields and, and you know, using as much manure and other organic amendments as, as possible. These can help combat um, climate change. One thing that I find interesting is that one of the best things that you, you could do is, you know, preserve wetlands and take marginal land out of production and restore it to some sort of more native ecosystem. I, I've found it in some ways hopeful that we've seen this huge mobilization to fight COVID. There, there have been trillions and trillions of dollars that have been spent over the past year to fight a, an immediate danger of, of this global pandemic. And seeing that, yes, we can mobilize and do that, and we developed vaccines in record time. Like, I, I think that shows that we, we, there, there is the ability to come together and, and to combat this, but I think we just need everybody to agree that we need to combat this. This is something that we need to be worried about so we can, you know, get on to working on solutions. And I think if there's one final thing I'd say is I, I strongly believe that good environmental policies are good economic policies because as humans, we might think we're separate from the environment, but we're really not. We rely on the environment for our food, for our water, for our air and things that protect our air, that protect our water, that protect our soils. Those help improve our quality of life. After hearing Javier and Gordon, I can't help but think that being a producer in this modern age is a complex business. There's a lot of science and economics to consider in every decision. There are market factors, there are consumer trends, opinions, there are changing weather patterns. And then to add on top of it that farms can be part of the solution to climate change. Yeah, you know, I think that, that it, it's it's it could be quite heavy. But, you know, the good news is that as we've heard, there are tools. There's farming practices based on science. There's programs, there's new technologies. And that these things can buffer farmers from climate damage and help make their operations more resilient and sustainable for the long term. I'd like to go back to Dr. Gracia Garza, because at the end of our interview, he had a very clear message that he wanted to send to Canadian farmers about climate change. Climate change is happening. We are seeing the impacts. We are taking a very, I would say, close look at trying to see, based on historical information we have, how this is changing across the country. We want to have a, a sense of uh, how quickly these changes are happening, how many of those extreme events I was talking about earlier, so that we have a better, I would say, appreciation of how this climate change is impacting the agriculture sector. It is real, there is some predictability, and we are trying to get a bit, the best sense possible to see how we can adapt to it. And also, really important, as part of the work that we are focusing on, mitigating how agriculture can bring solutions to the climate change challenge embracing practices that will be beneficial for the production, sustainable production 
are critical. And this is in, in, in my experience working with farmers, speaking directly with some of them that have said, you know, if, if we don't implement a better practice uh, to manage soil erosion within 30 years, I may not have a soil to produce agriculture on. It is, it is an asset, it is a legacy as well for the future generations within their own families. So these beneficial management practices, these doing things in a different way, perhaps of what we have been doing, will help to rebuild a healthier agriculture ecosystems. Ultimately, depleting our resources for, the, for agriculture is something that in the long term will be certainly not profitable. And one also uh, an important, I think, consideration is that um, when uh, we think about um, how signals from markets, uh, signals from consumers, uh, the environmental footprint of agriculture is something that is an important component as well to take into consideration as we move forward in maintaining or adopting practices that will support a sustainable agriculture development. Well, what he just said about the soil as a legacy drives it home, and I just can't help but think that uh, every uh, farmer who's listening to this right now gets that. And it's why the government gets it, and we've got a lot of different programs in place now. So we mentioned at the top of this episode, there's this new 10-year program. It's managed by our department called the Agricultural Climate Solutions. And it was designed to support initiatives that are going to harness the natural power of the soil to store carbon. And it's going to help develop effective, practical economic solutions to help combat climate change. And it will use the same collaborative on-farm approach as the Living Labs initiative. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is a, it's a great model, as you, you heard about it earlier. Um, this collaboration is going to lead to the co-development and sharing of sustainable farming practices. That you know, Practices that have the potential to, like I said, trap and store carbon on farms, reduce greenhouse gases, improve water and soil quality, and protect the diversity of soil organisms, plants, and animals on farms. This program is for agricultural industry association, not-for-profit organization, including cooperatives and indigenous group. Importantly, all of the initiatives need to be done in collaboration with producers and ranchers. The deadline for grant funding applications is June 15, 2021. You can find out more by searching for Agricultural Climate Solutions. You know, you also need to know that there's these other federal funding sources that are um, aiming to address climate change from different angles. It's a multi-pronged approach. And really the best place to find those sources of funding is on the web pages of Environment and Climate Change Canada, different department from ours, and look under uh, climate change funding programs. I know we're asking you to like, click down here, but uh, it's, it's worth uh, the, uh, the research. Yeah, we'll include the links in our show notes. And in the meantime, you know what to do. I do. I'm going to try something new. <laughs>